Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast for water treaters by water treaters, where we're scaling up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Hi, everybody. Trace Blackmore here. And folks, I have got one of my heroes on today. You know I like doing that. You know I like going out and finding people that I really enjoy reading their books and finding inspiration from. Well, I did that today. Uh, Folks, we have Pat Williams on Scaling Up today. Now, for those of you that were at the AWT convention in 2017, you got to hear Pat speak because he was our keynote speaker. And that's one of the things that he does so incredibly well. He is an incredible motivational speaker. The reason I know Pat is probably different from a lot of how you know Pat is I have read many of Pat's books and he talks about leadership and how to work with people and how to build teams. And that's something that I have always aspired to do better. And he has written numerous books on that very topic. Uh, Now, you probably know Pat because he is the vice president of the Orlando Magic, and he started out his career as a minor league baseball player. So just all about sports. Whether you know him through sports, Pat is just an incredible individual, and I think you are going to enjoy my interview today with Pat Williams. My lab partner today is Pat Williams of the Orlando Magic. How are you today, Pat? Trace, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Nice to catch up with you, and thanks for the invite. Well, absolutely. Thank you so much for being on Scaling Up, and thank you for coming to the AWT convention this year. You rocked it, man. Well, I enjoyed my time very much. Nice group, very enthusiastic, and... uh, I had a very memorable time. I appreciate I appreciate very much the invitation. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed being in the audience. Pat, there's so many things that we can talk about today. It's hard to even pick a topic, but I thought maybe we could speak on the fact that you knew Walt Disney and you wrote a biography about Disney. How does that sound? Well, Trace, I never knew him, but I feel like I know, knew him. I moved to Orlando uh, 31 years ago to help start up the Orlando Magic as an expansion basketball team. But when I got here, I got Disneyized, which can happen. I uh, kept running into senior Disney executives who had worked with Walt Disney back in California. And whenever I was with them, I would always pick their brain or ask them questions about Walt because I was intrigued with the man. And uh, that laid the groundwork for those two books that I wrote. Uh, one is called Go for the Magic, in which I wrote about Walt Disney's Five Secrets of Success. And then that book led to another one called How to Be Like Walt. I guess you would call it a motivational biography. And I was able to track down just about every living person who knew Walt, who had worked with him or worked for him. That's really kind of my background. But I'm a I guess you could say I'm a student of Walt Disney, so much to learn from the man, and a legendary American and worldwide figure who probably has touched more lives than than anybody in world history. I mean, you could argue that, and that's not going to end. That's going to go on really forever. Pat, your book was How to Be Like Walt. What does it mean to be like Walt? Well, we took the different qualities of Walt Disney. Uh, his imagination, creativity, uh, leadership, 
fearlessness, uh, risk-taking. I mean, we took many of these aspects of Walt's life and wrote about that and then wove all the different stories and anecdotes uh, that were pertinent to, to each individual chapter. So we examined Walt very, very thoroughly from every aspect of his life. So you read, in reading that book, you're going to learn about Walt's life from childhood on up to his passing. But in the process, uh, you're going to come away with some really strong life lessons uh, that you can apply to your own life, teaching points, I guess. So it's not the typical biography of Walt Disney, and there are many of them, but this is a biography that helps you come away with lots of pertinent information about how to take Walt's life lessons and apply them to your own life. And if I recall, one of the big themes was dream big dreams. Well, Walt certainly did that. Uh, he had a big, big imagination. He he was not afraid to really dream uh, way, way out into outer space. And he encourages all people to do that. Uh, if you can dream it, you can do it, I think. And Walt was a dreamer from the time he was a small boy. And he never stopped doing that. He had this enormous imagination. He had a great amount of creativity. But in Walt's case, it all started with a dream. And those dreams really became reality. The dream of full-fledged animated films. You know, nobody ever thought of that. And this idea of a theme park uh, in Southern California, that was absolutely off the charts. And so many other things. And Walt said in his dying days, he said to his son-in-law, he said, if I could live another 20 years, he said, we could dwarf everything that we've done before. Uh, that's one of the real tragedies. Walt died in his mid-60s. And uh, if he had been around another 10 or 20 years, there's no telling what he would have come up with. Pat, what do you think Walt would say if he could see his empire today? Oh, I've asked that question of different Disney people. I, a fellow named Bob Matheson, who worked with Walt, I, I said, asked him one day, I said, if Walt would come back and see everything that's going on uh, just here in Orlando, uh, would he be shocked? And Bob Matheson said, not at all. He said he saw the whole thing uh, when he took that secret mission over Central Florida in November of 1963. He saw it all, said Bob. And then I said, well, what if he walked into a meeting uh, with, with all you guys? What would he say? Bob said, uh, you know, you're, you're uh, running a little behind on some of these projects. You know, he said, I, I had this thing operating five years ago. He said, you need to pick up the pace. Bob said he'd have had a little twinkle in his eye when he said it, but he would not be surprised at all, according to many of those old-time Disney legends. Not all people can feel vulnerable when they don't know the answer to something, but as a business owner or leader, this is especially true. One of my favorite Disney quotes that you quote in your book is, all you have to do is own up to your ignorance honestly, and you will find people who are eager to fill your head with information. As a leader, how have you found this quote to be true? Well, I think, Trace, the most important thing as a leader is to ask questions and uh, seek out people who have information. People love to share with you. They want to talk to you. And above all, they want you to ask them good, intelligent questions. 
wiser the leaders who ask those questions? And above all, wiser those leaders who listen to people when they're talking. They don't have their phone ringing and they don't, they're not answering emails or reading the newspaper. They are listening with undivided attention. Those leaders are going to learn a lot because people in an organization uh, want that team or want that organization to do well. And they, they want their opinions to be heard. So wise are the leaders who ask good questions and then take the time to listen carefully and follow up with more questions if need be. Uh, those are some thoughts. I think that's what Walt was saying. And he was very good at that. He was very good at uh, picking people's brains and gathering information and seeing what they thought. So uh, great leaders are lifelong learners. Uh, John F. Kennedy said, learning and leadership are indispensable to each other. And uh, Walt was certainly a lifelong learner. Pat, your books have a common theme of core qualities that great leaders possess. Let's talk a little about your latest book. Can you tell us a little about that? Well, the book that I've written most recently is called The Success Intersection. And it's uh, based on this theory uh, that when your greatest talent or your best talent intersects with your strongest passion, right there at that intersection, uh, we call that the sweet spot. And that's where uh, you want to live. That's where you want to get your education, right there in that sweet spot. Uh, that's where you want to work. That's where you want to spend your career. That's where you want to get paid every two weeks. Right there in that intersection, that sweet spot uh, where your talent intersects with your greatest passion. And if you'll do that and figure that out at a very young age, and that's the best thing to do, you can spend your entire life preparing for that sweet spot and then living in it. So that's the meat of this new book called The Success Intersection. I hope it will be valuable to people who are trying to find their way in life, trying to figure out what their purpose is, trying to figure out why they're on this planet. And uh, I think that talent and passion intersection really is, is a huge key here. I'm not sure the best way to ask this question, but how do you know when you found the sweet spot? Or maybe I should ask, how do you know when you haven't found the sweet spot? Oh, I think if you haven't found it, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be questioning constantly, you know, what am I meant to be doing? Why did God put me on this earth? How do I find something that brings me great joy and great fulfillment, a great accomplishment? Uh, when each day is over, how do I uh, feel really good about that day and can't wait to get up in the morning and get started again? I, I think those are some of the tips. But I think there's a huge responsibility here with parents and grandparents and coaches and teachers and youth workers really uh, taking the time to uh, study children and talk to them about their future, to spot talent when they, even if at, at a very young age, and then start building on that talent, start investing it. Uh, uh, getting them to opportunities as youngsters where they can uh, display athletic ability or computer skills or artistic skills or music skills and really help build into their lives as small children, young children, 
uh, that talent and uh, and try and get kids excited about what they're doing as youngsters. And you and uh, that's a good way to start. And, and it requires great wisdom and great effort and uh, great discipline by parents and grandparents to open those doors and get kids to baseball practice and gymnastics and cheerleading and theater and music, all those things that require a parent to have the time and the interest in getting kids to those opportunities where they can develop those skills as young people. I think that's that's where it all begins and that's where it starts and that's where you can really build something from, from a young age. What advice do you have for people that are a little bit older that haven't found the sweet spot yet? Well, that's a good question. I hear from them. You know, many people will write me. They're in their 40s and they don't want to work for a pro basketball team. I have to tell them the truth. You know, that that really isn't practical. I said, continue being a lawyer or continue being a real estate salesman or whatever it is you're doing and get your basketball kicks on the side. Uh, coach, a, coach a YMCA team on the weekends or, or coach a Little League baseball team. You know, get your sports kick, you know, in that manner, because the odds of you at 45 picking up and, and working for a pro team, you know, in sports probably isn't realistic, probably isn't really going to work. That's why I keep stressing the younger, the better uh, when we can figure out what a youngster's talent is and what their passion is, uh, the younger, the better. And I'm seeing that now with some of my grandkids. You know, you can see them at a very young age, younger age. We have a granddaughter whose passion is reading. Uh, we have another youngster whose passion is baseball. We've got another youngster uh, whose passion is entertaining you. He's five years old and he's a clown, but he, uh, he I can see him as an actor or an entertainer. You know, he's got that built into him at five years of age. So you've got to be alert and you've got to be really sharp as a parent or a grandparent to get your kid tracking in an area where he can really be fulfilled the rest of his life. Great advice. I remember when you were speaking at the Association of Water Technologies, you said that there were seven key characteristics that great leaders had. It was the ingredients to leadership excellent. Do you mind sharing that with the Scaling Up Nation? Well, in my study of leadership and, and studying uh, great leaders, world-class leaders, I've noticed that all of them have seven ingredients, seven qualities that have allowed them to, to be great leaders. And all seven qualities in most cases are there uh, that have allowed these men and women to be uh, uh, world-class leaders, uh, leaders that we really look up to and admire. Uh, those qualities, by the way, the first one is vision. Uh, the ability to see the future before it gets here. The second one is communicating your vision effectively. Uh, you've got to be able to talk about it. You need, you've got to be a good communicator. Uh, thirdly, uh, great leaders have people skills. Uh, they have interest in other people. They care about other people. Then the fourth quality is simply called character. I believe that character counts in leadership. And you can only go as high on the leadership ladder as your character will allow you. The fifth quality is called competence. Leaders are good at what they do. Then we sixth point about great leaders is called boldness. Uh, leaders are not afraid to make tough decisions. 
And then finally, the seventh quality is simply called a serving heart. Uh, the best leaders are the greatest servants. They understand it's not about me. It's about you. It's not about building my resume. It's about building yours. It's about advancing this, this company, not about advancing my career goals. Uh, so those are the seven qualities, Trace, that I have found that every great leader possesses. And those who are listening today are very capable of uh, studying and learning about those seven qualities and uh, applying that to their leadership package. Well, that leads into my next question. Are you born with these qualities or are these qualities that can be developed? Oh, I think they can be developed. Oh, I believe so. You know, I guess there are a handful of naturally born leaders, but I, I think most, almost all leaders, somewhere along the line, they, they have to step up and take a leadership role, even though they may not want to or they may be scared to death, but they can learn how to lead. They can practice those seven qualities. They can keep reading and studying about them and applying them in their role as leaders in their home or in their community, at their work, in their church. You know, yes, absolutely, uh, leadership skills can be developed. But if we relied on those leaders who we would call naturally born leaders, well, there are not many of them around. Pat, you shared a poem with the AWT audience about leadership. Do you mind sharing that with the Scaling Up Nation? Well, here, here it's a summation of, of those seven qualities. It's uh, seven things one must do to be a leader right and true, have vision that is strong and clear, communicate so you can hear or so they can hear, uh, have people skills based in love and character that's far above, the competence to solve and teach, and boldness that has fearless reach, a serving heart that stands close by to help, assist, and edify. So that's a summation of those seven qualities, Trace. Pat, I've got to tell you, I am an avid reader of your books. They're very inspiring. I got the pleasure of hearing you speak. You are incredible as a motivational speaker. I have to ask, what's next for Pat Williams? Well, I continue to speak when, when, uh, when I'm invited around the country. I still uh, get a great deal of joy from that. Uh, we've got a basketball team here in Orlando that I'm still very much involved with, and uh, that certainly uh, takes up a big part of my day. Uh, and I continue to write. Uh, there are three more books coming out this winter. And uh, in the pipeline, I've got probably another half dozen ideas that I want to present to publishers and, and eventually write. So uh, the writing world continues on. Plus, we've got, uh, we've got a big family, 19 children, who are all adults now, but we're spending a lot of time with our 17 grandchildren. And uh, that's a full-time job right there. So um, my hands uh, continue to be very full. And Trace, people ask me, well, what do you do in your spare time? I'll tell you what I do. I read. Reading is the equivalent of somebody else's golf or fishing or hunting or stamp collecting. People ask me, what's your, what's your hobby? And my hobby is reading. That fuels everything I do. It fuels my writing. It fuels my speaking. It brings me great fulfillment and satisfaction. So uh, I am a reader at heart of, of good, good books. Well, Pat, you have led into a segue that is just great. 
for the lightning round questions. Now, these are questions I'll ask every member of the Scaling Up Nation that comes on, so we can just compare from one guest to another. So my first question is, what are the last three books that you've read? Uh, good question. Uh, I have read uh, Jack McCollum's new book on the uh, Golden State Warriors and the Lakers of years ago. I have read Sam Smith's new book on his uh, evaluation of the NBA. I'm just plowing into another history book by Harlow Giles Unger called First Founding Father, Richard Henry Lee and the Call to Independence. Uh, I read sports. I read presidential biographies. I read history. I read Christian inspiration. I read World War II, Civil War, Revolutionary War period. Uh, those are my real interests, and uh, I stay very close to those topics that interest me as far as my reading is concerned. Pat, how many books have you written? 107. That's the answer. That's amazing. These last three books are finished, so I count them in the, in the finished department. I wrote my first book uh, when I was 34 years old. Uh, that was in uh, the fall of 1974. And uh, I'm still rolling them out. My high school English teacher would be shocked. <laughs> I, he would be rolling over in his grave if he knew this. But I continue to write. And, and still, as I mentioned, I still have some uh, projects that I'm very interested in getting done. Pat, if you could go back in time and talk to your former self on your first day in professional sports, what advice would you give yourself? Well, my first day in professional sports, uh, I was a minor league catcher for the Phillies organization. They sent me to Miami uh, in the Florida State League, and that's where my career started. My first game, I struck out the first two times up on, on three pitches. And so my first time up, and then my third time up, I uh, had two more strikes. So I'd been in, the, in, in pro ball now for just a couple of days, and I had been to the plate and had eight straight strikes against me. And I thought, boy, this is going to be a very, very short career. And then with that 0-2 count, the next pitch, I doubled to right center field up against the scoreboard, cruised into second base. I was the most happy ball player you've ever seen in your life, uh, the most relieved one. So I guess if I would go back and redo that, I would say, uh, oh, keep swinging. <laughs> keep swinging. There you go. I have no doubt they're going to make a movie about your life someday. When they do, who plays you? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm not sure who, uh, that that actor has been born. How about Tom Hanks? Does that sound I good? I love it. That's a great answer. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd be pleased with that. I'm sorry to say this is my last question. If you could talk to anybody throughout history, who would it be with and why? Well, I'd sure like to talk to Jesus. I'll get to do that one day. I would love to talk to George Washington. I would love to talk uh, with Abraham Lincoln. I'd love to talk baseball with Ted Williams. And I'd love to talk leadership and coaching with Vince Lombardi. I'd love to talk with uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. I'd enjoy that a great deal. Although I did hear him speak at the I Have a Dream speech in Washington. I was 23 years old and I got to hear him. Pat, you are amazing. I want to thank you so much for coming on Scaling Up. I have no more questions for you. 
Trace, thanks a million. I've enjoyed chatting with you. I enjoyed seeing you in Grand Rapids a while back, and I'm so glad we could hook up here and talk for a while. What an incredible guy. He was so easy to talk to, and he's got so much advice on leadership and building teams and working with people. I just thought it was incredible to be able to speak with him, and I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. I told you that I am a big fan of his books. He's got many, many out there. I'm going to link to one on the website, his latest book. So if you want to read Pat's latest book, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash PW book. That's for Pat Williams. So forward slash PW book. And that'll take you to an affiliate link there where you can get his book. And I'm just linking to one, but if you search Pat, he has got so many titles. He said he had well over a hundred books that he's written. I think I've read three. So I've got a lot of catching up to do. Folks, if you've got a question out there that you want me to answer on the air, or if you want me to interview somebody specific, please let me know what that is. And in the meantime, I hope you take today as an opportunity to be a better water treater tomorrow. And I hope you tune in next time for our next episode of Scaling Up. Have a great week, folks. 